Time to wake Time up. To wake up. <laughs> no longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government, while the people have borne the cost. You are tuned in to His Hardline. Welcome to the number one show many have yet to discover. Our priorities of discussion are quite simple. We put God first. We talk about good health and how to fortify our families, followed by how we restore the republic so we can have a strong nation once again. So patriots, patriots, assemble. assemble. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to His Hard Line. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. Um, I had to do a little cleaning up of this uh, of this audio because we had some very big major issues. It took about 27 minutes to try to get our guest, Kirk Pendergrass from Kirk's Law Corner, on. And so we had one heck of a time. So I'm just adding a quick little intro here before the show actually starts. And so, again, this is uh, Kirk from Kirk's Law Corner. He's been studying law since 1995. I think I get into more of the intro here with the original audio. So with that said, let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, if for some of you that don't know Kirk, he has a uh, he has a podcast that he does, an awesome educational one. He's been studying law since 1995. He has a website, kirkslawcorner.com. You can find him on Rumble. He also has a Patreon we're going to give him an opportunity at the end of the show to give all that information out. I'll make sure I try to remember to put it in the show notes. So if you want to go over to his uh, Patreon and and contribute, I know he does every Wednesday night um, and he can elaborate as he see fits. I know he does a, a workshop where he, you know, works on people and you know, works with people in their specific cases. Um, but every Monday night he has a thing called Kirk's Law Corner that he does. And uh, you can, you know, typically listen to that live and engage with him on the chat and ask questions specific to the conversation on that chat, you know, uh, on that particular show. And then it usually posts live or uh, he'll post the show for the next day on Rumble. Um, But anyway, so today on this episode 476, uh, we're going to be talking about um, different terminology like the words civil, uh, civilian, citizen. inhabitant, what the difference is, what we are classified as, and then we're going to get into 
what the merchant marines are, because that's something that I know a lot of people have been having questions about. I know I've been wanting to know a little bit more about the merchant marines, where it came from, how that became to civil power, why the military, the organized military, um, I guess, I don't know, for lack of a better term, submits their authority or, you know, to the merchant marines. Kirk can give us more information on that. But, yeah, he has been studying law since 95. He's got one heck of a backstory. I'm going to be like you guys, a student. I'm going to be a listener. I'm pretty much going to open up the floor with a few questions that I have written down for Kirk. So, Kirk, welcome to His Hardline. Thank you so much for your time. And, again, my apologies for the technical difficulties. So, um, <clears throat> I guess the first thing, I guess... Introduce yourself. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself for those who aren't familiar with you. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, you know, I've had uh, quite a bit experience dealing with uh, corruption, even from a young age of, uh, you know, 13, 14 there. Uh, you know, I was the child that was kidnapped by CPS, the state of Washington. Um, in, uh, was it 1985, I want to say it was? Mm. Yeah, I think it was 1985. And, uh, you know, so I experienced what it's like to be the child, uh, being having his family go apart and the corruption, you know, you know, the things that I've heard over the years from other people uh, dealing with family realm of things. You know, I was I was told that, uh, you know, you, if your mother loved you, you'd already be back home by now. Okay, right. So those are the same things that I've been hearing since, you know, like 2014, 15-ish when I got into the family law realm of things with people. And uh, when I was on Blog Talk Radio for a year and a half prior to going on to Facebook and YouTube in 2017. So, uh, and then, you know, I, I Job Corps, Marine Corps, Marine Corps veteran, 4th Marine Tanker Division, um, Desert Storm. So, you know, was taught Constitution, the Geneva Convention, uh, learning about military stuff. Uh, then, you know, became an alcoholic and got myself in trouble and learned the corruption of the court system. <laughs> I basically had him beat with my own no proof of insurance charge. With, I was acquitted in a courtroom full of people while in shackles. Because the cop didn't have probable cause to pull me over. So, but when I told the public defender for the felony charges, driving without privileges and a possession charge, which they couldn't even prove what it was. But anyways, I was acquitted for lack of probable cause. And, you know, this is a lot of people deal with this too. Like, hey, either you take this plea bargain, you plead guilty, or we go to trial and we'll make sure that you lose and you get the maximum time in the penitentiary. But they already have me locked up in jail, right? So. Mm -hmm. There isn't a whole lot I can do. So I didn't know enough back then. Just just some common sense, you know. That I mean, that's all that was for me in 1995. There, and basically, I was just I'm screwed, right? Yeah. And so sitting in the jail cell, I'm like, all right. I made a plea to God. I made a vow to God that I start studying the law. So that I would not get screwed like that again. Yeah. And uh, so that's, you know, where I got my start. I started out researching, you know, Idaho code and, and the rules of procedure and started learning how to draft documents in the proper form. 
And it, it's funny because I actually still have some of those old papers from 1994, 1995. Wow. <laughs> and I tried, you know, I tried to post-conviction relief and accusing them of the fraud and all that stuff. And they just, you know, I didn't know enough. I didn't know how to, how to perpetuate it. Probably didn't do all the proper paperwork and they just dismissed it for lack of activity. Mm. Mm. So now that I, you know, 20 some years down the road, 20 years down the road here, I, I now know that, yeah, I guess uh, there's some other paperwork that needed to be done there. But, uh, you know, this this is the thing where I, I've come to the conclusion, based in reality, is that knowledge is power, and it will literally empower us, and it does. Yeah. Uh, for those that have seen any of the videos where I stood up down there at the Idaho Capitol, where the the three minutes of address uh, about the state of emergency and how that was unlawful, and demanded an investigation, in which they didn't do. Uh, you know, I, I just it's it's very empowering when you get this knowledge of what your rights really are and what the limitations of government is and the duties they're supposed to be performing and what their own code says. Yeah. You know, it, it just it's very empowering, folks. I'm telling you, it's 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 like no other power. It is really interesting because ever since I got involved with the Michigan General General Assembly, I, I've learned so much since, uh, uh, well, October of, well, yeah, October of 2021, I want to say, is when I got involved. And I just, I, there was so much stuff I didn't realize and didn't know. And just like what you were saying, the, the, just realizing the true power that we, the people, truly have and how limited government really is if we only just took some time to read our founding documents like the constitution you know it's yeah, yeah. you know it's it's uh when you when you start studying the true law and the in the history of law what what i say is the founders founders founders, founders i mean this some of this stuff goes back to the magna carta that mm -hmm. we we're dealing with again today it's it's just a repeat of history it's the same this despotism over and over again. And now I've gotten to the bottom of it, and I'm getting ready to challenge this stuff in court. In fact, I just got paperwork in response to my motion to dismiss in a traffic case where they didn't file any of the traffic tickets, just the resisting and obstructing, because I already defeated this crap back in 2014. Yep. Well, they know I know. And now I've gotten to the bottom of it, and I found out this code is actually the Roman civil law. And so for the listeners out here, this is what I've discovered. Per the Reconstruction Acts of 1871, they fundamentally altered our form of government and turned us into a corporation. Some of you may be aware of that, the United States Inc., okay? Yep. But the next step was creating the American Bar Association in 1878. And then in 1881, they brought in this code of civil procedure. Now, I have been down the rabbit hole. And what I mean by studying law and the history of law, I'm getting into the legislative sessions for the territory of Idaho. Okay, notice I'm saying territory of Idaho, yeah, not state of Idaho. Anytime you say or see or read where it says state of whatever, that's a corporate franchise 
under the United States, Inc. So I found in the 11th session, which is 1881, and going down through the rabbit hole of this code of civil procedure, it specifically says that it's, you know, the, the, what is it? Something, something about the uh, derogation of, of the common law through statutes doesn't apply, which is the, the fundamental principle that any statute must be in compliance if you're dealing with the common law, must be in compliance with the common law. And in this code of civil procedure, in the very beginning of it, it says, well, that doesn't apply here. And the Idaho code is the law. Hmm. So. In the first legislative session for the territory of Idaho, we have the Criminal Practice Act and a Civil Practice Act, a real statute. Okay, so this is when they switched in 1881. They switched from real statutes or statutes at large to code. Mm -hmm. Now you'll see in and if you if you do any history research on your your local state, we'll say that for now state. But legislation, you'll see where it goes from statutes to revised statutes, revised code, something like that. So it's, it's all revised. Some some states do the actual code. They try to hide it with revised statutes. Well, you can't revise a statute. Statutes are set in stone prior to the Constitution being created, and it's done through a convention. Mm -hmm. So. Our Idaho Constitution wasn't created until 1889 and supposedly ratified by the people in 1890. And when you learn about the process pursuant to Article 4, Section 3, states, uh, new states may be admitted to the Union, you find that the, the Congress is the one, pursuant to Article 4, Section 4, to guarantee a Republican form of government. They create the organic act, the true Republican form of government, which ours is 1863. And it enumerates like the judicial branch, the legislative branch, the executive, you know, it enumerates all the different parts and the powers. And so then the people are supposed to assemble mm -hmm. into a convention and create the statutes at large with some limitations from Congress. Now, there's some some things that's in this organic act in the first legislative session, the territory of Idaho, that shows Congress says this is the statutes at large right now. You have to be in compliance with this, this and this. And it's all listed out in the legislative session for the territory of Idaho. And then, of course, in 1881, it, it switches over to the code. Mm -hmm which comes from the statutory law of England of 1881. And what they did is they extended the High Court of Admiralty of England over here. Now, part of Article 4, Section 4, and what it truly means there is to guarantee a Republican form of government, is to keep any state from turning us back into a monarchy. Yeah, That's essentially what they did by putting it into a corporation because throughout history, that's the way they've done it. The Virginia company the you know, there's all these different companies starting in a Virginia company, clear back to 1606 with the first charter of Virginia. Okay. So the way they've done it in history is corporations, corporation, this corporation, that with the charter corporate charter. 
Well, our our founders in seventeen, you know, between sixteen oh six and seventeen seventy six. So, which ones are the real founders here? But discovered this Roman civil law, the code, Mm -hmm. and which I discovered this in Bouvet's Law Dictionary, eighteen fifty six. Under law, comma civil, the civil law. When we say civil rights comes from the Roman civil law, and it says it's the code, the pandex, the code. And it's in the end of the number seven there, it says that it's all enforced through bills of pains and penalties. Well, imagine that in the Declaration of Independence, it says that a declared act of tyranny is fundamentally altering our form of government and then uh, subjecting us to pretended acts of legislation. Well, I'll be darned, that's exactly what they're what we're talking about right here. They converted our real legitimate statutes into the code, the Roman civil law, and these are nothing but pretended acts of legislation. Now, I've I've purchased quite a few of the legislative session books for Idaho, starting the very beginning of 1900 there. Uh, You know, these are all old, used books, and clear into basically 1999. Yeah. And in every single one of them, I pop it open and it says, oh, be it enacted by the legislature of the state of Idaho to amend the Idaho Code. Why is the legislature making amendments to the Idaho Code? Where's the real statutes? Well, they did away with the real statutes and went to code in 1881. But this all becomes evidence. That's the main reason why I bought all these books. It's evidence to prove the corruption, the fraud, that this is actual domestic violence pursuant to Article 4, Section 4, mm-hmm. which is internal insurrection, yep. an attempt to overthrow the Constitution and war against the people. Mm-hmm. So this is where we're at again. You know, we, our founders put it in the supreme law of the land. That no federal and state, Article 1, Section 10, and Article 1, Section 9, federal, Article 1, Section 10, limitation on the states, no bills of attainder. Well, that, that, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Yep. You've been attained to pay this bill. In Bouvet's Law Dictionary, 1856, you look up bill of attainder. It says legislation, comma, punishment, period. Now, the bar will misconstrue, oh, well, that bills of attainers uh, where you, you don't get a trial by jury and you're sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's a half-truth. This back to the subjecting us to pretended acts of legislation. And uh, bills, of, bills of pains and penalties are misdemeanors, and the other is felonies, right? And, uh, well, you know, that's just, just denying you your right to trial by jury. No, it's way more than that. It's any legislation that prescribes punishment. And what we're looking at is, is okay, if this isn't a bill of attainment or a bill of pains and penalty, who gets the fine? Hmm. Where's the injured party? Right. Where's the victim? Well, the accuser. You know, proper term here. We have the right to face our accuser and the witnesses against us. Right. We also have the right to demand the nature and cause of action. 
And the accuser is supposed to take the stand, be sworn in under oath, testify, be cross-examined by the defendant, and then that's supposed to be reduced to writing and subscribed. Where is that? But we don't do that. We do prosecutions by information. When everything's supposed to be done by indictments, grand jury indictments. Right, which we don't see. No. On certain instances, they will do a grand jury indictment just to cover their butt, usually on uh, felonies. Yeah. But not all felonies, only certain ones. But in reading the Criminal Practice Act of 1864, it says felonies and misdemeanors shall be by indictment. It doesn't say information. And, and this is the odd part is I'll go to the Idaho Code online here, and it'll, it'll reference the Criminal Practice Act of 1864. Section this, page that. Oh, okay. And I go there. Sure enough, it says in part what they're saying it says, but then they add all this other stuff. Like, oh, well, we can prosecute by information. Now, that's not what the Criminal Practice Act says. So, again, this is a fundamental alteration of our form of government. And which is part of the reason why they wanted to stop the original article, the 13th. It's not 13th Amendment. Okay. We oh. need to comprehend that the original Bill of Rights specifically reads at the top portion that these are articles right. in addition to an amendment to the Constitution. Oh, okay. Okay. And even in my first uh, legislative session, 1864, there, it has a printing of the original Constitution and Bill of Rights as articles. Article 1, Article 2, stops at Article 12, and then it has a footnote that says, oh, there was a proposed that passed through Congress, Article the 13th, but it wasn't proper, it wasn't ratified, or something like that to that effect. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, no, I got proof that it was ratified in 1819. This essentially kicked the bar out of our republic back then, esquires, yeah. titles of nobility. Okay, so this was what caused the War of 1812. This is, you know, the, the part of history will say, oh, no, it was about this, that, and the other. No, it was about trying to destroy the records of, the, of being ratified. Yeah. Because nice. it started in 1809. So, you know, this is, this is what we're dealing with is a, what we sometimes refer to as a deep state. And it, it, nobody wants to really define this deep state. Well, the deep state is London, Vatican, and D.C., the tri-city state. Yep. And what we need to comprehend about the word state is state is a state of being. It's not a territory. It's a state of being. Right. So it's an ideology. What is our ideology? Well, they don't like the fact that we're grateful to Almighty God for the blessings of liberty and our rights. Because see, this is that ideological conflict between the monarchy and having Catholicism as the ideology, where the king is the sovereign, yep. and, you, and we only have privileges and we're subjects of the king. And that's where civil 
like Roman law comes from, like civil code is the Roman law, which is derived from Catholicism, yeah. correct? Yes, absolutely. So this I have, is the Roman Catholic Church trying to come in under ecclesiastical, the law of the air, morals, principles, souls, and trusts, and dictate our morals. Our, our, you, you can't have this. You're, you can't do that. Well, if you do that, here's a fine or jail time. Well, where's the injured party? Right. Because we're supposed to be free and independent per God's law. Oh, well, we don't go by God's law. So this is what even the Magna Carta was about, trying to separate from the Roman Catholic Church. And the Magna Carta is the great charter of liberty. And we are supposed to be at liberty forever. Right. From the Magna Carta forward. And the Magna Carta, wasn't it supposed to be countering the Treaty of Verona, if I understand correctly? Um, where that the, I can't confirm the, nor deny. I but thought, what I have found is they found, see, that they found the, this Roman civil law, the code, the Pandex, in 1130. It was lost back around six, 600 AD. Wow. And then it was rediscovered in 1130. So this is where they brought back the Roman civil law, the code, in 1130. And so this is where I go back to our founders, 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 back to the Magna Carta. They tried to implement the code, the Roman civil law, and the people back then said, no, king, we're not having any of it, and we're going to declare for the world that we're all free and equal. We're at liberty here. And that we're grateful to Almighty God for our rights. Not you, King. Right. So that's what the, the Magna Carta is really about, is again, separating from the Roman Catholic Church. The Protestants, the Christians, trying to separate from Catholicism and go with Christianity, yep. which is God is the sovereign. Not King. Now here's a question. So with the with the, the civil Roman code, which again we because I've learned so much about what the Vatican has done all, all the way back to the seems like almost to the not quite the beginning of time. But so my question is is so because we got you have the word civil right? You got the civil Roman law because Destry made a post the other day on tr uh, True Social, and he actually wrote and I, I quote right here uh, it says civil is Roman law in code. Period. We don't like using that word. Now, my question is yeah. this. So we don't like that word. I get it because it makes sense when I hear how you explain it. But like, you know, with the assembly, right? So we have like uh, the, the civil peace flag. We have the civil authority. So I, that gets a little confusing to me. If civil, the word civil is bad and it's like not you, it's not looked at as a good word. But yet we use it for our like civil peace flag, which is seems to be highly regarded in the, you know, for the de jure uh, Republican form of government. And like like, you know, the, which we're going to get in the topic of the merchant marines being the civil authority. How can yes. we use those words at the beginning of those terms, if I might ask? OK, so we have to. We have to kind of differentiate when we say civil right. Civil law versus like civil peace, like civilian 
not I shouldn't say civilian, not yet, not, not let's let's back up. Civil, as in uh, civilized, and we're at peace. Yep. Okay. As opposed to at war. So just a different, different, uh, different definition that we're looking at. Right, which is the war flag, the red, white, and blue. Old glory. Or the Confederate flag. Okay. Okay. A lot of people don't realize that the Confederate flag was the war flag. So, you know, and the X on there is is actually supposed to be the cross. Yep, I heard that. Some people will say, oh, the Tenth Amendment. No, it was about the cross. Yep. So, but it had nothing to do with slavery. Absolutely nothing. It was a battle flag. So, uh, civil just means civilized, civilized society, settled on the law. Yeah, and that we're supposed to be at peace. Leave us alone. Let us do whatever we want to do, because we're free, as opposed <clears throat> to slaveries. And independent is the true law of nature here. Independent of all things created by our fellow man, without his own consent. So, constitution is created by man. Man is to be independent from that unless he is bound by it. Read Article 6, Clause 3. Are you a member of the legislative, executive, or judicial branch, either state or federal? Well, if you're not, then you're not a member, a citizen, who is bound <laughs> to perform certain duties under the Constitution as a contract. So I'm glad you brought that up. So, because that's what that seems to be the big confusion for a lot of people as well as myself if i can be completely frank with you so because i've yeah. always wondered okay we hear terms like national which we already know about that that's a it seems like a very bad word with the state national which that's a different story for a different day but then you got the citizen lowercase c and then uppercase c well, like what's the difference between those two then we always hear civilian like are we considered civilians and then i keep hearing well, no, we're not civilians. We're not citizens. We're people. So what's the distinction between lowercase, uppercase citizen? It seems like you kind of answered that a little bit. If you're part, you know, um, civilian and the people and inhabitants, that was the other one. Like, what? Because that's the one thing that I think a lot of people get confused about. And again, myself included. And that's why I wanted to go to someone like you who happens to study this in depth. So uh, what does this clarify? Civilian is a military term. Okay. Okay. So in the military, uh, if anybody's ever watched any kind of more uh, militaristic uh, like movies uh, and hear some of them talk, uh, the, the, you know, acting like they're the military going into a war zone, and they'll say, talk about the civilians, the civilians, right? The, the civilians are off limits. They can't, they can't touch them. They can't arrest them. They can't do anything to the civilians. Because they don't have jurisdiction, personal jurisdiction over civilians. Same thing I was taught in the Marine Corps. Now, you'll see sometimes where the military will work with the civilians. Mm -hmm. Okay? Like, uh, hey, where are the bad guys? And the civilians will help them. So civilians are the, uh, they're not the enemy combats, combatants. Okay. okay? They're, not the, they're not the enemy. So civilians is a military term, meaning 
uh, more or less the, the, the citizens, right? Okay. They're, they're civil. They're at peace. They're not at war. They're not the enemy. So the military doesn't have personal jurisdiction over them. So here's a question real quick, if I may pause you. Wouldn't the people yeah. of America then be considered civilians since we're not at war, we're at peace? Or no? Well, okay, it, it really has to do with being in a foreign land. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Okay. So like DC. in America, <laughs> our, our own military is not supposed to be used against us. Right. Right, because we're we're supposed to have the militia. Now, there's three parts to the militia: the unorganized militia, which is the body of the people, each every able-bodied male between the age of eighteen to sixty-four is automatically in the unorganized by government militia, duty-bound to defend. And the sheriff is the one that has the duty under the uh, posse comitatus to deputize the inhabitants. When there's a problem on a local level, and if it becomes more than what the sheriff can handle, then they're supposed to go to the governor. So what's an inhabitant in this case? Just a, just a so let's, let's, let's go to the law, the letter of the law, not my opinion. Let's go with facts of law and the true definition of what a citizen and what an inhabitant is. So we're going to go to the Law of Nations, book one. Chapter 19, subsection 212, okay? This is international law. This applies to all nations as the paramount law. This is the go-to for the law to read from. <clears throat> this defines what a citizen is, and this is subsection 212. Citizens and natives. The citizens are the members so remember these words when I emphasize these words. So I had a woman ask me, one time, why does he talk like that? I'm emphasizing certain words to hammer these home because they have specific meaning. Okay. Can I, so I, can I, can I pause it for a second? It's funny you say that because Oscar in the chat was just saying love Kirk's tone change in emphasizing words like code and bar. So people notice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, especially code and the bar. <laughs> I'm, make, I'm making fun of them, making it stand out. You know, it might, it might seem funny, but I, I, I get the psychology behind it because people remember it yes. when I emphasize it like that. So, <clears throat> as I'm reading here, again, this is Law of Nations, written by Emmer D. Vitell, Book One, Chapter Nineteen, Subsection Two Twelve. The citizens are the members of the civil society, full colon, bound to this society by certain duties and subject to its authority. They equally participate in its advantages. Now, I'm going to stop right there because the word advantages is part of the word emolument. Mm -hmm. An emolument, Article 1, Section 9, Clause 8, right before that title of nobility there, an emolument is any advantage, profit, or gain <laughs> received due to one's position of employment or holding of office. Okay, so 
when we look at the Constitution, what are the emoluments of government? President. The members. Now, see, this is where we're going to go back to Article 6, Clause 3 mm-hmm. of the Constitution for the United States of America. And listen to the words as I reemphasize what we just read from subsection 212. Okay, the senators, this is Article 6, Clause 3. The senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislatures and all executive and judicial officers, both of the United States and of the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. Okay, now let's go back to subsection 212 Law of Nations. The citizens are the members of the civil society bound to the society by certain duties and subject to its authority. Okay, if you're not a member of the legislative, executive, or judicial branch, both state and federal, you are not bound by the Constitution, and you are not a citizen. So would an assembly member who is a jurist after signing a JCO be considered a citizen in this case? Okay. Let's make a clear distinction between what a citizen and an inhabitant is. Okay. Okay. Now, we're going to finish reading 212 here because this is also part of the Constitution where it talks about the the, the president. Uh, One of the qualifications to run for the office of president is you have to be a natural-born citizen. Mm. So the next part of this, the natives or natural-born citizens are those born in the country of parents who are citizens. Okay. This is what precluded Obama from running for office, uh, as uh, becoming president, because his father was not a citizen of the United States of America. Mm. He's not a citizen of a country. See, these different territories are countries. So many people get confused and say, well, the United States, that's the country. No, that's the nation. America is the nation. And a nation is built up of all the countries within the nation. There is no states. No such thing. No, we use the word state, even in law of nation, it talks about a nation state. It's right. a state of being like Israel and the state of Israel. Ah, what is it? State of being. Hmm. So we go back to law of nations here again. So natural-born citizens are those born in the country of parents who are citizens. As the society cannot exist and perpetuate itself otherwise than by the children of the citizens, those children naturally follow the condition of their fathers and succeed to all their rights. The society is supposed to desire this in consequence of what it owes to its own preservation. And it is presumed as a matter of course, that each citizen on entering into society reserves to his children the right of becoming members of it. Now, wait a minute. 
So now, we're, what do you mean becoming members? Huh. The country of the fathers is therefore that of the children. So when we do the birth certificate thing, why does it ask, why do they ask you what, what state were you born in? Me specifically? I was, is that what you're asking me specifically? I'm just, just rhetorical. Oh, well, I was going to say, cause I was born in a foreign, I was born in Japan on an air force base. <laughs> okay. But this here law applies because the country of the father is therefore that of the children. Right. Which, and there's part in here that even talks about exactly your situation, which was North Dakota for him. Bingo. North Dakota is the country. That's right. Why do we say, oh, I'm from Idaho, or I'm from North Dakota, or I'm from Pennsylvania? Why are we not saying, well, I'm from the United States of America? Right. Ah. You know, and I've always wondered that because, you know, when you look at, like, the, the country of Europe and all these different countries, you know, you get, or the, excuse me, the continent of Europe, and you get all these countries within it, Germany <laughs> and so on and so forth, right? I always wondered that, like, all right, we got this big continent called North America. Why are we not considered countries instead of states? Or, or yeah. you know how, what I mean? How is it we, when we look at look at a map, exactly what you're talking about? You look at a map and you say, oh, this is a country, 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 country within this nation. Mm -hmm. But then when we flip the map over here and we look at the United States of America, we don't call them countries anymore. Right. Why? I don't know. Considering some of our territorial land masses are much larger than their so-called countries over there. Huh. huh. <clears throat> but this is why you read the Law of Nations, and you'll find that it says in there that a nation is made up or composed of all of the countries of the nation. Mm. Okay. So, uh, let's see, da, 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 merely by their tacit consent. Uh, so country of the fathers is therefore that of the children, and these become true citizens merely by their tacit consent. We shall soon see whether on their coming to the years of discretion, they may renounce their right and what they owed to the society in which they were born. I say, that in order to be of the country, it is necessary that a person be born of a father who is a citizen. For if he is born there of a foreigner, it will be only the place of his birth and not his country. Hmm. Okay. Section 213. Again, Law of Nations, Book 1, Chapter 19, Subsection 213. Inhabitants. The inhabitants as distinguished from citizens, are foreigners who are permitted to settle and stay in the country, bound to the society by their residence. They are subject to the laws of the state while they reside in it, and they are obliged to defend it because it grants them protection, though they do not participate in all the rights of citizens. Okay. They enjoy only the advantages which the law or custom gives them. The perpetual inhabitants 
are those who have received the right of perpetual residence. These are a kind of citizens of an inferior order and are united to the society without participating in all its advantages. Their children follow the condition of their fathers, and as the state has given to these the right of perpetual residence, their right passes to their posterity. Okay, so I know it gets a little fuzzy here when we're starting to talk about the inhabitants and being distinguished as foreigners, distinguished from a citizen. So this is where we got to get into language. A capital C citizen, in the English language, we capitalize for proper nouns. Right. Now, what we would call in propria persona, Latin, in their proper person. Okay. Proper nouns, person, place, or thing. McDonald's. City of Boise. Those are going to be capitalized. The first letter is a capitalized uh, letter, right? Yeah. English language. Principles of, of the English language dictates this. So person, governor, president. Those are capitalized. The first letter. Those are persons. Proper nouns. So like it says in subsection 213, the citizens are the members of the society who are bound. Article 6, Clause 3 uses the words members and bound. The members of the several state legislatures and all executive leaders of the United States and of the several states shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. That's who a citizen is because they are bound to perform certain duties under the office, the advantages, the emoluments of that office. Okay. Now we have. The free inhabitants, and then what we would construe here, because remember, this was written before our form of government was created. Okay? So the other perpetual inhabitants, or those receive the right of perpetual residence, these are a kind of citizens of an inferior order and are united to the society without participating in all its advantages. Those are called the people. It's also the people creates the sovereign body politic. Again, these different statuses that we actually have from the Articles of Confederation, from the Virginia Declaration of Rights, June 12, 1776, the Articles of Confederation, and then the, the, the 1787 Constitution for the United States of America. Okay. We, the people, establish justice. We, the people, ensure domestic tranquility. We, the people, provide for the common defense. Well, who are the people? The civil authority. That would be those kind of citizens of an inferior order. We are united to the society. But we don't participate in all of its advantages because we're not a member of the legislative, executive, judicial branch under the Constitution. Okay. We're not bound by the Constitution. The people create the instrument of government, the Constitution. And then from the body of the people, we elect 
the electors, qualified electors, to fill those seats as president in their proper person and receive the emoluments of those offices. But we require them to be bound by oath or affirmation to support the Constitution. They're not supposed to be interpreting the Constitution. Right. Okay. So this is where, where we have these different statuses is we have the free inhabitants. They're not bound by anything other than the laws of nature, which is what it talks about, subject to the laws of the state, the state of being free, equal or free and independent. The state of being is grateful to Almighty God for our liberties. The laws of nature always apply first at the root of all law. And then we have have that fundamental principle of do no harm. That's it. Now, that's separate from the Constitution. And if you're not a member, you're not bound by the Constitution, it doesn't apply to you. Right. Because you're not bound by it. How, how can a man be bound by the Constitution if he's not receiving the advantages, the emoluments of those offices? Where's the paycheck? Right. And that's why it cracks me up so much when I hear people do these videos and try to be YouTube stars for five minutes and they try to provoke po policy officers, right? Police officers, policy officers, right. and they go out there and they, you know, look, I, I get what they're trying to do, but it's like, okay, you're just stirring up crap. But what cracks me up is these people are like, well, I know my constitutional rights. It's like, well, what, wait a minute. Like you're part of the, you're part of the government. Like what? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then again, why would we call them constitutional rights? Yeah, I don't know. Because mm. those constitutions. Why, why, is it, why is it called a bill of rights? Because that's something that's owed to the people. How about declarations lay down the law? Declare. Yep. Lay down. D meaning down, clear, clarify by putting it in writing. Because law is that which is laid down, ordained, or established. Okay, so declarations lay down the law. And all throughout history, declarations of rights or bills of rights have always been declared, laid down prior to any constitution. Because you have to lay down the law first, and then you institute government, right? Declaration of Independence, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men receiving their just powers under the consent of the governed, those that are destined to be governed by the Constitution. Oh, not everybody's governed by the Constitution. We get to have our own conscience, because that's what Constitution is, is conscience. Right. Liberty of conscience mm -hmm. comes from religion. We have our own constitution, our own moral compass. And unless we do harm to a fellow man, no man gets to deprive us of anything. Period. I don't care what clothes, uh, disguise, clothes with uh, authority that they may uh, put on. What I cannot do in my person, I cannot do through the agency of another. So therefore, if I can't do it, we can't delegate a power to a set of a man or set of men. 
If I can't do it, they can't do it. Because fundamentally and principally, we can't delegate a power we do not possess ourselves first. Yeah, that makes so, sense. It's a maxim of law. That's a rule of law. It rules over the law. So, uh, you know, the, the inhabitants are supposed to be free. And then and many of some of the, uh, uh, even like uh, the Magna Carta talks about the, the inhabitants out in, in, in the woods, right? They're not, they're not what we would consider outside of the city limits. Right. Okay. So then we have the people, which even comes from the law of nations. It talks about that the, the people is the sovereign body politic. It makes up the people. And why our, our declaration of rights says that all political power is inherent in the people. Why does it say, well, all political power is inherent in the nationals? I don't know. Huh. I can't seem to find this word national anywhere in any of historical documents reading from the Magna Carta forward. Except from the corporate code. But that's that's not law. That's code. Yep. And, and again, <clears throat> when, when was that when was that created? Was it 1878? 1887. Or eight, okay. Yep. 1887, the word national as a noun. There we go again. As a noun was created in 1887. Etymology. Mm -hmm. For those that don't believe me, go look up enemy online. Read it for yourself. 1887, national came into being because that's what etymology is, origin of words. And I, I've laid this out before, but we'll do it again here real quick, is that national comes from the United States Code in 18. 87. That's after the Reconstruction Acts of 1871. That is after the American Bar Association was created in 1878. That is after the Code of Civil Procedure, the Roman Civil Law in 1881. Right? Yep. I mean, 1887 comes after that. And the only place to find national is in the United States Code. But then if you read the United States Code, it says that it is a citizen of the United States. Corporation. Right. Because the United States, Inc., is the corporation that was created in 1871. Mm -hmm. And you're reading the corporate bylaws. That's been made by law. That's a bylaw of a corporation, which is all fraud to begin with, because Book 1, Chapter 3, Section 34 of Law of Nations, the question is asked and answered of whether or not the legislature has the authority to alter the fundamental law or the Constitution. And the answer is no, because it is the laws of its creation. And how is the servants going to alter the laws of its own creation? That's completely implausible. Right. That which is created cannot alter the laws of its own creation. Fraud vitiates fraud. That's right. Fraud vitiates everything from its inception, void ab initio, from its inception. So this is part of you know what they've already done there. Michigan did, made the Reconstruction Acts of 1871 void. 
That's right. For fraud. Okay. And this is, this is part of what's going on with what I will dub as the Trump administration, because Trump in a sense is only just the front man. Yeah. Right. This is a true civil power military coup to take back our true Republic and to oust the insurrectionists, the foreign invasion and internal insurrection. Okay. Yep. This is what's been going on since Trump took office into beginning, very beginning in 2017, which leads into the merchant Marines. Yeah. And that's what I was wondering about because the merchant Marines, that's, that's considered the civil power, right? The civil authority. Absolutely. So here's a question. So, because uh, when I was reading, I was reading this, I think a night or two ago on the show, when I was looking at the Michigan uh, timeline, 2018, and I found this kind of interesting where in the highlighted part, and I know you've read this, uh, let's see, what is it? October 12, 2012, excuse me, where it says, let's see here, we receded our federal house of representatives and Senate from 1861, October 21st, 2012. Uh, let's see, with succession, we established a de jure a uh, Republican form of government with an interim president of the United States. Now, the purpose, the federal level body has a purpose to orchestrate elections under the oversight of the, of the military per the orders. Next purpose, this establishes a federal superior government over the de facto, which gives our military a civilian authority to provide directions. I thought that was very, very interesting. And then the next purpose underneath that says any action the military takes against the de facto are covered by the orders of the de jure Republican, excuse me, Republican, Republican form of government and civilian authority. And then the last purpose under that, it states this cannot be considered as a military coup. It will be considered a military upholding their oath to defend the Constitution and we, the people, from all enemies, both foreign and domestic. Mm -hmm. So, the civil authority. So, school us on that, oh great one, because this is really interesting with the Merchant Marines, because this is something I've never heard of until I've came across you. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All right, so... First of all, we'll start with the Merchant Marines were actually uh, established in 1553, the 16th century. Okay. And it's, it is the basically the militia, okay? And was uh, basically actively engaged in, in the commerce side of things for transporting goods uh, back and forth in trade, in commerce, maritime, mm -hmm. okay? And uh, this is what the, the, the merchant marines are, the civil power, which, you know, uh, initially was uh, June 12th, 1776, was the first armed body of men that was called into duty for the Revolutionary War before the army was even created. Okay. Okay. Because the merchant marines have been around since 1553. So, yeah, we might want to, we might want to, use them but then uh, let's skip forward here to quite a few decades millennials uh let's go to president uh donald j trump's uh this is a proclamation from may 19th 2017 national maritime day 
On National Maritime Day, we recognize the important role of the United States Merchant Marine plays in supporting our commerce and national security. Hmm. We honor the proud history of our merchant mariners and their important contributions in strengthening our economy. Americans have long looked to the sea as a source of safety and well-being. Bounded by two oceans in the Gulf of Mexico and crisscrossed by inland waterways, America was destined to be a maritime nation. Huh. Our fledging republic, republic expanded and became stronger as our nation's growing merchant marine connected the states and cemented ties among our new allies. <clears throat> today, say again. Oh, sorry. I was clearing my throat. Sorry. Oh. Uh, today, the men and women who cruise ships remain essential to our nation's prosperity and security. Those in the maritime industry, including merchant mariners, promote our economic growth, facilitating the export of more than $475 billion in goods just last year. Wow. And sustaining our critical defense industrial base. Merchant mariners are also actively also actively protect our homeland, serving as our eyes and ears on the seas. They serve with distinction and courage, heading into war zones, and too often sacrificing their own lives for our protection. Hmm. What's he talking about here? I'll be darned. Virgin Marines heading into war zones? Protecting the homeland? Hmm. Now, they did bring in the United States Merchant Marines and, you know, created that under the United States of America. Which is a corporation, another one? Well, technically speaking, yeah, the 18, um, 1889 or 1891 with the Bill of Rights uh, would be the first bankruptcy which created the first corporation. Hmm. But uh, again, the Merchant Marines is the civil power that the, the, the Constitution refers to as the military is subordinate to the civil power. The Merchant Marines have been the civil power for a very, 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 very long time, since 1553. So question, if I may, because this brings up a great, because mm -hmm. Destry's in the chat. In fact, we got the, uh, so we've had a total of 46 people, 22 active right now online. Destry was saying, hey, maybe I should have called the Merchant Marines instead of the Coast Guard in 2015 for his case. So that brings me up a question. Where does the Coast Guard stand in line with the Merchant Marines? Well, it's a totally se separate entity, isn't it? It is. Okay. So the yeah the, the coast guard guards the coast okay and technically speaking within 100 miles of the coastline that's it oh okay merchant marines they go all over the world oh. now again originally and still as far as i know to this day um they you know you, you want to uh, ship something Believe it or not, the Merchant Marines are the ones that's doing a lot of the shipping. Hmm. We just don't know it. We don't realize that. So here's a, here's another question I'm curious about because I've been trying to dig down this, and I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I am curious because – so 
technically, <clears throat> okay, like so for me, for example, I, I I haul gas for a living for a major petroleum company. Now, mm-hmm. when we look at our bill of lading, which I guess you know we, we have a, the, our loads are considered cargo, which I guess is a uh, merchant term or a maritime type of term. Um, a, yes. lo- a lot of what we see on our BOLs that I print off at work after I load my truck up would be classified as a bill of lading. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even though I'm not on water per se, because a lot of the stuff of what I'm doing, it's commercial. Would that make any people in trucking now? And I'm, this, I'm, this is a genuine question. How does that work? So Obviously, I'm not on a ship, but I have my own vessel, if you will, on the interstate highways that they use as yeah. shipping lanes. How, what, how, does that fall in line with any of that at all or no? Well, yes, because you're actively engaged in foreign commerce. Okay. okay. Now, before we had the major industrial revolution, and we, we came up with, uh, you know, uh, automobile. How did we have to do it before? Horse and buggy. And wagon. Horse and wagon. Yep. Right? That's how we that's, that's how we had to transport goods was by horse and wagon. Like they do in Traverse City. <laughs> so you would have to go to the ports, ports of entry, seaport, where the vessel would come off of the and see, when we talk about navigable waters, we're talking about an ocean-bearing or sea-bearing vessel. Okay. We're not talking about a little, uh, you know, paddle boat or, you know, uh, our, our, our family, uh, what we would call a boat. Like a little bay liner. Yeah. yeah. That's not a navigable water boat. We're talking sea-bearing vessel. Is a navig, you know, can it navigate that waterway? Yeah, that makes huh. sense. Not a personal well, watercraft. Well, I would just call it my personal property, my boat. Yeah, it, it's not being used for commercial purposes. I'm not in the transportation business of transporting goods or providing services out on any navigable waters. Okay. Yep. Can you can you navigate that sea-bearing vessel up here? Then it's not a navigable water. Makes sense. Because that's all to do with trade, commerce, foreign commerce, under maritime jurisdiction. Hmm. All right. So with the industrial revolution and becoming into you know autumn automobiles which are still horse-drawn carriages i know that some people might think i'm crazy here but i'm a gearhead through and through since i was a kid four years old yeah the fact is is they're all rated in horse power and pound feet of torque that is interesting how many how many horses do you got and how many feet are pounding the ground? Huh. Interesting. I never thought about that. The horse thing I always got, but now that you say the other thing with the poundage, I never yeah. thought about that. Wow. 
Yeah, a lot of people say foot pound of torque, and it, that's backwards. It's pound feet of torque. Huh. So, <clears throat> depending on your horses, and depending on how many feet you got pounding the ground, would determine how much pull you got. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, power is your stride, and how long they can do that, and how fast they can go. The, the pound feet of torque is, is, is moving the weight, getting it to move, to go up the hill. So, you know, for instance, you know, you take a, a, a fancy race car, you know, it's got a light and flywheel, everything's light, 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 has high RPMs, high horsepower, but not a whole lot of pound feet of torque. Now, you load that sucker down, Let's say with uh, uh, 5,000 pounds, just a 5,000 pound trailer. They're going to be able to pull it up a hill. They're going to even be able to pull it across the flat land. Hmm. No, no, not so much because it doesn't have the pound feet of torque. It might have a ton of horsepower. It ain't got no torque. It ain't got no feet pounding the ground. So, <clears throat> yeah. It is a horse-drawn carriage. Huh. That is interesting. See, there I go. Learning more. See, this, this, is, this, is, why, this is why I like listening to your show. See, this, this right here, it's those little things that, that, that you really pick up. And it's like, okay, I never really thought about that. But when you, when you explain it like that, it makes total sense. Right. Uh, in a way, you got kind of have to be a gearhead to even begin to comprehend it, right? Right. <laughs> um, the other thing is, is uh, you know, a little bit of logic and reason, uh, common sense. Uh, although I have a a little bit higher common sense level than most people, uh, documented twice here. You know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but it's just reality. <laughs> Yeah, and and again, I want to reiterate here: it doesn't make me a better man than anybody else. I'm not better than anybody else because God gifted me with this brain. It doesn't make me better than anybody just because I'm more highly intelligent in this one area of things. I'm plenty dumb, ignorant on lots of other things. Okay, so don't put me up on a pedestal because I don't like falling down. Oh, no. I don't believe, no, absolutely no. But see, but see, this is exactly the kind of thing that we need in this country. And I'm so glad that you're on, you know, the assembly side of things, because this is the kind of understanding and comprehension that people need to kind of start hearing. Like people need to start comprehending these things, which is why I've been trying to push people over to your channel, because it is very important. I mean, I'm, I always try to surround myself by people who are better than me. I mean, like you, you talk about how you're not better than anybody, but like, so like for me, for example, I used to be a DJ for eight, nine years, just a little sidebar for a second. Mm -hmm. I always, I always strive to go and be around the best turntable scratch artists. I I always wanted to learn from people that were better than my own skill set that I actively had. And I also would, you know, basically put my ego and my, uh, my, my pride aside. And yes, and and truly have a heart of a student and recognize okay i don't know this i am not good at this but i would like to and so i would seek out 
some of the best scratch artists and DJs that I could find. And I did. And I, and I learned a ton. And that's why I like to surround myself by people like you, like Destry, like Paul, um, because you yeah. each have a unique set sets of knowledge and wisdom in your own specific uh, brain space there that we, you know, that gray matter yeah. that we have. And that's why I like having people like you on the show because people are thirsting for this information. They may not understand it right now, but after enough times of hearing it over and over again, it almost becomes second nature. And that's why I like having people like you on. Absolutely. And that, and that's the thing is, is, you know, even the Bible, God talks about no man shall know it all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a multitude of counsel, yes. right. That's we're, we're supposed to come together and, and debate and discuss and use logic and reason and come to reasonable conclusions based in reality, sharing our skills and our knowledge. Um, yeah, if we didn't, if we didn't do that, then we wouldn't be able to do anything. Correct. I mean, look at that. everything that has to go through to build a car. You got to have people to build the machines that make the parts for the car. You got to have machines built to dig up the iron, the metal, the aluminum, and copper, and everything else. All these different skill sets, heavy machinery operators. You know, you got to have all these different skills. Now, uh, let's take a, a, a seamstress who makes dresses. Would you would you want them working on your car? No. Well, why not? Does doesn't everybody know how to work on a car? I know how to do an oil change. <laughs> but I mean, come on. Yeah. Why why can't a seamstress who's a professional seamstress who's really good he or she is is really great at making clothing? But why can't they do auto mechanics? Because they just don't have the skill set. Or the interest, too. Well, like, okay, let's, let's just say forced into it. Yeah. Okay. I need you to change the, the spark plugs. Uh, I can't even go with, like, cap and rotor anymore because all the distributors ignition system anymore. We don't even use cap and rotors. But I, that's the beauty of my, my age is, you know, back in the day there, learning the old stuff versus the new stuff i learned both but you know let's just say for all intents go out there and change the spark plug the cap the rotor plug wires and uh readjust the timing because when you mess around with all that stuff and you want to get seriously get into old stuff okay do the points change the points adjust the points break out your dwell and and, and tack meter there and make sure you get everything fine-tuned and then you got to adjust the carburetor adjust the idle and uh, air fuel mixture. Okay, that's seamstress. She gonna be able to go out and do that? Depends if she was taught. Well, if she doesn't have the skill set, how is she gonna do that? She's not. Okay, so likewise with government, if you don't have the knowledge, the skill set to do this, how are you going to do it? No matter how hard you try, you just don't have that skill set. Point well taken. Just like mathematics. If you're not good at mathematics, and no matter how much you study it, you said uh, a, a, an algebra problem, or uh, let's get into geometry, or trigonometry, or calculus. Well, why can't you do it? 
Mm. So we need to work together, and there are, you know, governmental lies here. Yep. There are definitely some things that some people can do, and that there are some things that people just can't do. That's just reality, and not to get all butt hurt because you don't. Go be a free inhabitant. Right. Well, and Go I, enjoy life. Pursue your own happiness. I can't remember where it said it in the Bible. Maybe it was Romans. There might be someone that's more uh, versed on where this is from. But I remember, and I'm, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing here, but about mm-hmm. how we're all part of the body of Christ, right? One might yes. be one might be a toe, which has a certain function. One might be mm-hmm. an arm or a finger or uh, an ear, right? We yeah. all part of the same body, but have different functions. Can you talk with your ears? No, absolutely not. Can you hear with your mouth? No. Mm. Can you pick your nose with, well, I guess you probably could pick your nose with your toe. <laughs> a really flexible individual contortion is probably good. <laughs> right. So we don't use certain things for certain things because they're designed to work a certain way. Yes. You cannot use them for any other purpose because they're just not designed to work that way. Makes sense. Can a man have a baby? Absolutely not. Well, it depends who you ask. I mean, but if you got someone that's got a brain in their head, that answer should be no. But if you got some crazy uh, retard, for a lack of a better term, they'd be like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, the going joke out there. Well, can anybody define woman? What's a woman? Do you know? A man with a womb? Absolutely. So, because God created mankind, what kind of man are you? There's only two kinds of man. There's man and man with a womb. That's right. Man has seed and woman has womb. Well, just like in Genesis, when God eggs. And like when in Genesis, when God made Eve, he made Eve out of the rib from Adam. Absolutely. So what kind of man are you? A man. Are you a man or are you a man with a womb? Yeah. That's it. And if you're really having a hard time, pull your pants down and look. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And if you can't figure it out from there, there, there's probably no help for them. We, We call from the laws of nature, we shun the insane. You're not of sound mind. <laughs> you, if you can't figure out whether you're a man or a man with a womb, and after pulling your pants down, you still can't figure it out, yeah, we're just going to put you over there in the corner. <laughs> that is great. That is absolutely great. I tell you, Kirk, I'm so glad you took time to to come on this show i'm so sorry too for the for the technical difficulties we'll definitely have to get that ironed out because look i would love to have you on whenever you have time and can afford time i know it's getting a little later for you over there and it's getting probably about dinner time for you and this is like practically your only free night because i know tomorrow you got your workshop and then thursday we got the assembly call and you got something on friday so i do want to extend an open invite anytime you ever want to come on here and what we'll do before we do that we'll we'll do like a um 
I, I'll do a live on here and a live, but where it's set to private. So nobody can come on here and try to get this figured out one of these days, because that, that was really confusing. I don't know why I wouldn't let you go on as a guest or a co-host from that website. That is bizarre, beyond bizarre. I, I wonder if it's a proprietary system where it only works through the phone. Well, they can't because you're working it from your computer. Yeah, I'm right from my computer. So I, that's why I was kind of kind of really confused at that. I know I've had people have issues before. They would, And a lot of times they would log off and log back on after a couple of times of doing that. Then they would be able to pop right on. So, yeah, I don't know. That is beyond my understanding. I would be curious to learn one of these days on a side private conversation what system you use to do your multiple streaming because Podbean has been kind of a pain in the butt for the last year for me lately. It's been acting nice until today. Of course, of course, you know, when we want to talk about something relevant, right. You know, Uh, and I had actually, I quickly went and uh, downloaded uh, Podbean on my phone. I was going to try and log in through that and try it again, but you called me before I got to it. Hey, listen, I'm up. I mean, listen, we, I'm up for, if you want to try logging in right there, I'm just curious to see if it will work right here, right now. That's up to you though. I mean, that's, I'm totally game. If you want to try to see how that works. Let me open it up and log in. I think you would have to, are you still logged in on your computer end? Yeah. You might need to probably log out on that end. Well, it shouldn't matter because when you log in, when you log in on the phone, it'll, it should boot you out automatically because I've dealt with that by accident. Okay. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, while Kirk's doing that again, Kirk's website is www.kirkslawcorner. That's K-I-R-K-L-A-W-C-O-R-N-E-R. Kirk's Law Corner. Did I add an S at the end of Kirk's? I didn't. K-I-R-K-S-L-A-W-C-O-R-N-E-R. Kirkslawcorner.com. You can also find them on Rumble. I believe it's all one word on Rumble, but you got an add an LLC at the end of that, right? Kirk's Law Corner LLC. Am I? No, I don't think there's an LLC on that. There isn't? Okay, I wasn't sure. You could also... To help people, instead of trying to figure that all out, um, just go go directly to kirkslawcorner.com. Go to the links tab. I have links to, to all of my social media and I haven't put my Twitter or any of that on there, but just stuff that pertains to Kirk's law corner. Cool. And he's also on telegram too, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. So go give him a follow. Um, definitely give him a follow. Uh, Rietta here. She's part of the California general general assembly. She said she just joined. Um, somebody was actually a few people were asking, they were wondering just a general question. How did you hear about the uh, National Assembly? How did Mr. Kirk Pendergrass know uh, or hear about the Assembly? I think I have an idea, but people were just wondering. Well, there's there's a funny story here. <laughs> so uh, when I was live on uh, YouTube there, face, Facebook and YouTube back in the day, and uh, Destry had come on there, and I'd already, you know, I'd, I've been trying to go down the rabbit hole since 2014 when I first found Carl Miller. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was talking about Project Blue Book and, you know, hinting at needing to reassemble, essentially. And I'm like, ooh, I want to find that. Yep. And, you know, I, I found the government of the United States of America, 1776. Oh, we have our own ID. We have our own money. We, we're all legitimate, blah, 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 blah. Well, I had a, a, a guy that I was, at the time back then, uh, working with through the family law stuff. Well, he went ahead and did it. It did absolutely nothing for him. And uh, 
here several years ago, I asked him, I was talking with him, and I'm like, okay, do you have the support of the military? Have you been visited by the military? Well, yes, we were we were visited by the military, and they told us that 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 they they, they won't listen to us. They they're not going to come to our aid. So okay, so you're not the legitimate ones, okay? And then I found uh, what is it? Uh, well, yeah, well, I guess we'll go with uh, uh, Anna Von Wright. Oh, AVR, David Strait, Bobby Lawrence. Uh, well, be- before I even knew about David Strait. So Anna Von Wright stuff, and I looked into it, and I know a couple people that have done the paperwork, and it did absolutely nothing for them. <laughs> they still got convicted. They still went to jail. Ouch. Okay. And then, you know, you start asking questions like I did. Like, wait a minute. The first thing you got to do is you got to get your birth certificate. Well, the birth certificate's a fraud, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Why do I have to, this is the question I posed to Anna. Why do I have to actively engage in the fraud to get out of the fraud when fraud vitiates everything from its inception, void ab initio? Exactly. They'll admit that the, that the birth certificate is fraud. But the thing is, is how do you authenticate fraud? Because you got to send it off to a non-Hague convention nation state and have it authenticated. What? What do you mean? Non-Hague convention? No, 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 no. We want somebody that's in the Hague. Right. Because that protects natural rights. Oh, see, I learned something new. I didn't know that about the Hague. Oh, yes. The laws of nature. Everything revolves around that law of nations, and the, the full title of the law of nations is the law of nations or the principles of the laws of nature. Huh. Hmm. I'll be darned. Everything is to be done in defense of the laws of nature, that to secure these rights, the laws of nature, governments are instituted among men. Man, I tell you, see, this is why, ladies and gentlemen, I like having people like Kurt and Destry and Paul and many others that, you know, that iron sharpens iron. We have to learn from these guys because they have put in the time and the energy and the effort of of learning this stuff. And, and Kurt, especially you, I mean, when you said that you were studying this stuff since 1995, I was trying to do the math when I kind of heard how old you were. I was like, damn, he was really studying this stuff when I was like in party mode and I just wanted to drink and, you know, go clubbing. Like I didn't give a crap about law. I didn't give a crap about the president of the United States. I just wanted to go take my paycheck, go grab my turntables. Let's go to the freaking club and get lit. That's all I cared about. And I'm like, here's Kirk freaking studying up law because he didn't want to get screwed by the corporation anymore. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the thing is, you know, I won't say that uh, every single day from 1995 on that, that I studied law. Or history of law, right? You know when things were going good, and you know had a girlfriend and partied it up. I, I wasn't always studying law, but every once in a while, you know, especially when I got into computer stuff there, and you know stuff started, you know the inter- internet, and uh, was able to find certain stuff. You know, even clear back to like say two thousand uh, two thousand one ish. Um. 2005 ish for sure. Yeah. Uh, was starting to, you know, able to peruse stuff on the internet. 
Because before that, I was having to go to the law library and actually open up a book. Before we had computers. Yeah. You know, Windows 95 just came out in 1995. You had to use a Dewey Windows 98. Then Windows 98 second edition. Then we got into <clears throat> Windows XP, or actually it was Windows Professional. Yep. 2K Pro. And then, because uh, I'm, I'm I'm kind of a, a geek over here, you know, I'm A plus hardware, <laughs> software certified, network plus certified. Played around with servers. Uh, I did take the server class, but I didn't finish it because I kept falling asleep. Because <laughs> yeah. I was a finished carpenter at the time, <laughs> and working during the day and trying to take night classes. And uh, you and I, hard. you and I were getting yelled at on the chat by Destry, Oscar, and a few others. Destry's like, finish the story on finding national. <laughs> and Oscar's like, yeah, I second on that story. <laughs> oh, right, right. We got, I got a little sidetrack there. Sorry about that. Because this, this is, this is funny. It really is. And so, uh, the Anabon right stuff, I'm just like, you know, after, after that and asking about the fraud, how do you authenticate fraud and, you know, Annabon Wrights put out a, a letter to me, you know, saying, hey, you know, you're, she recognizes that I'm a very intelligent man, that I'm very knowledgeable on the law, and I would be such a great asset to them. Well, I'm sure I would be, but I don't actively engage in fraud. I have my own principles, morals. Yes. My moral compass points true north. So I don't engage in fraud. I want to learn the truth. I want to learn real law. So anyways, um, so, you know, I, I, what was the, I can't remember one of the other one, the lawful path or something like that. I think it was a law, lawful path or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, these guys are a bunch of nut jobs too. So <laughs> I'm like, you know, I was kind of at the point of giving up and, uh, Destry had come on to the chat there, live chat, and he put on there, oh, you got to check out this nationalassembly.net, and I immediately, knee-jerk reaction, blocked him and removed it, because I'm like, get your channel down right crap off my channel. Oh, troll alert. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he had no, he did, I didn't even give the man a time to, to explain that it wasn't Anna Von Wright stuff. I mean, it, it seriously was a knee-jerk reaction. As soon as I saw it, within probably three seconds, I was already on it. That's freaking great. <laughs> and then I had uh, one of my friends out of California there. Uh, I don't really want to name his name, but he uh, sent me a message, and he's like, dude, you got you to gotta check these guys out. And it was the national-assembly.net, and I'm like, Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I remember this. And because I, I never did go check it out. You know, I just immediately removed the comment and blocked him. That's freaking great. <laughs> and so then I, I you know I got the link and I listened to oh it was a, a, a an audio recording or video, what no, it was audio. And uh I was like that listening to Destry talk, and I'm like, wait a minute. And then he started talking about Anna Von Ditz. <laughs> I started laughing. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> and uh, so I, I had to listen 
and go back and what, what was that website again? National hyphen assembly. So I went to the website and I checked it out and I'm like, okay, this is not Anna Von Wright stuff. And so I'm like, okay, they got a weekly call here. I'm like, all right. So it was about a couple weeks after that. I decided to get on the call. And Jester immediately knew who I was and was like, hey, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you know, I, I was the guy on your, your, you know, YouTube channel there. And I tried to reach out to you and you, you blocked me right away. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I so remember that. Like it was yesterday, you know, I still do. Oh, so, you know, we, Jeffrey and I, we've laughed about this a few times. And it, <laughs> I, I kind of wish I would have not had the knee jerk reaction, but that's just how I feel about Anna Von Wright. So, and her, I don't know which name she really wants to go by. And, you know, the fact that she claims she was a judge, she's not a judge. Yeah. Never was. She's, she's just a big fraud. And then I found the, um, her blood oath bond to the Vatican and the Pope. Oh, yeah. I did, a, like, I did a show on that. That's scary. Well, what it is is that you know they knew that uh, the the gig was up, yeah, right. And so the plan was, in my mind, what the plan was was to bring everybody back in under the Vatican mm-hmm. and take back over America because of what Russell J. Gould had done. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the part where I talked specifically to the part of him capturing the flag because there was that 18 day window of opportunity part of the terms and conditions of the bankruptcy the third and final one of 1933 was that there was an 18 day window of opportunity and what they were doing this was going to be the final right right but if nobody came in and claimed the flag captured the flag that it would default to the crown to the vatican and so they weren't thinking anybody would pay attention, you know, 70 years later. Who, who in their right mind is going to go down this study and, and rabbit hole and study this stuff and find out where it says, hey, you got 18 days here to capture the flag and capture your nation to, to, to maintain America as the nation or a defaults back into the monarchy. Yeah. Okay. So I think. Russell J. Gould for doing what he did, his research and the time and everything that he went through. Okay, because I, I literally I've talked to him, okay, and I've had extensive conversations with Sergeant Horton. Huh. Um. So I, I applaud him for what he went through. How he was beaten damn near to death, wow. and once he finally got them to listen and let him go get the paperwork from the record and prove to these guys the truth they, they wanted to kill it right and then after that it was man we're so sorry wow. we thought you were full of shit we thought you were nuts wow excuse my language oh no you're good there's anybody here but you know think about what they what they've been brainwashed and indoctrinated to believe and then you got this guy here like hey you know tell him the truth how often did this happen all the time, somebody telling the truth, and it goes against what you know the mainstream people think, and they just it just they just can't take it, right? They flip out. So, uh, on that point, I, I'm very grateful for what Russell, Russell J. Gould did. Now, from there, I, I don't get into his grammar stuff. That's not, you know, 
Yeah. It's, it's not right. You don't write in all capital letters. It's not language. And then, you know, sorry, Russell, but the way you write there, it's like worse than a two-year-old's broken English. It's so, it's just, it, it's, it hurts my brain to try and read it. It's not, it, it's not comprehensible. Yeah. And to think that it's some super, you know, it's all numbers and da, 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 that's not how the English language works. Yeah. You got to go by the rules of the language, which even our today's English is a bastardized version of old English. Yes, it is. From Latin to English, the old English. So this is probably the reason why I damn near was failing the English class, even with spending three months after after school with the English teacher there in ninth grade. And he's like, look, you're just not getting this, are you? I'm like, no. Because it wasn't logical, didn't make sense. Right. And now I kind of looking back on it, no, why? Because it's not even <laughs> which which is which. Yeah. Which there there there. Yeah, it, 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 I guess I heard that's why the English language they say is one of the hardest languages for a lot of people around the world to actually learn because of what you just said right there. It it yeah. it, it, it is tough. It's. It, and I'm I'm with you. I'm I've always been a numbers guy personally. I never paid attention to history, and thank God I didn't because it's all been wrong for the most part in these you know indoctrination camps we call public schools and and grammar. I've always sucked in. I got a wife who is a grammar Nazi. Every time I misspeak, oh believe me, I'm hearing it. <laughs> well, see that's the way I've become now. Uh, proper diction. Now that I know what jurisdiction means. You know, diction is the words, juris is the law. So the words we speak put us under what body of law? So for example, driver, motor vehicle, operator. What jurisdiction is that under? That's under maritime law. Mm -hmm. Huh, that had to do with commerce. Those are commercial terms, diction. Now, what are we in the private? Because that's in the public. Yep. In the private, I am man, creation of God. I'm exercising my right of personal liberty. It's not the right to travel. The right to travel is to get on a plane, to get on a train, to get on a bus, to get in a taxi. That's the right to travel. Mm-hmm. No, the right is the right of personal liberty. Now, what diction is that? Don't know. The laws of nature. And of course, this is about where we lost our feed two hours, five minutes, and 30 seconds into it. Uh, lost all the listeners. It showed on my end. Uh, that it was still recording and I was still on air, but I was getting a dozen text messages from a ton of people saying, hey, your show just abruptly ended. So anyways, this is where it ended, unfortunately, but we will have Kirk Pendergrass back on the show again. I will be actually on his show coming up this Friday on Kirk's Law Corner. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's been quite the challenging show. And if you knew how the rest of my day went prior to getting into the studio, I tell you, it was like Satan was just trying to push me and kick me down and then kick me in the teeth. I mean, that's just, that's kind of just how my day went. But anyways, 
I do appreciate you joining in. And like I said, tried to clean up this audio so it was a little bit easier to listen to so you weren't going through 27, 28 minutes worth of music and intro while we figured out Kirk's connection problem. And then, of course, try to clean it up a little bit toward the end here and add this little uh, slight ending. So, But anyways, um, if you want to know more about Kirk, go to kirkslawcorner.com. You can find everything you need to know about where to find him on Rumble and Telegram and everything in between on Patreon. So Kirk's lawcorner.com that's k-i-r-k-s-l-a-w-c-o-r-n-e-r.com kirk's lawcorner.com all right ladies and gentlemen god bless and have a great day or night wherever you're at in the world bye-bye time to wake time to up, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> no longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics, who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost.